0: Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.
1: Toyota Brookhaven services all makes and models. That could be why we were voted Best Service Department the past two years. Come see why. Exit 40 Brookhaven or online at toyotabrookhaven.com. Great service, great savings. At Toyota Brookhaven, we deliver.
0: Welcome to Weekend Gardening with your host, the empress of everything green, Nellie Neal. Garden Mamas on the radio now to answer your questions and
2: call you. Hello, baby. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome into Weekend Gardening on a... uh, Well, let's just put it this way. The dog didn't want to go outside. The cat didn't want to go outside. And quite frankly, for a minute there, I didn't want to go outside either. The wind was blowing so hard at 5.30 this morning at my house, it actually blew the back door open (laughs) instead of the other way around. (laughs) Woo! Now, for those of you unfamiliar with the weather here in the Deep South, it's going to change in a minute. Everything changes all the time. This particular cold spell, I always like to take credit for them. Indeed, has happened on the day that I have to get up and come out here to radio and that I get to come out here to radio and frankly put on nice sweaters and turtlenecks and gloves and coats and say hey you how's your garden looking well i know how some of it's looking because it looks like mine but the other piece of this you need to understand is that once again the middle of next week is going to be way above average just in the same way that we are below average now across the the south now (laughs) What does that mean to your plants? I think we may as well just start playing it now and leave it. Only the strong survive. Okay. Some of these plants, some things that have been there for ages and have put up with lots of other stuff are going to take this opportunity to swoon on you. And I'm talking about, in my case, the row of 10 tree-form legustrums that were at my house, full-grown tree-form, when I got there 25 years ago. They don't look too good. (laughs) They they dropped every leaf. And in fact, when I had the opportunity to go out and do a little poking around, I'm I'm not convinced they're going to leaf out and be alive. Or if they do, let's just put it this way, they're going to be kind of tall bushes. They may not be trees (laughs) anymore. We can talk about that in your garden. We can talk about the ones you've seen, the ones you like, the ones you don't, the plants you have, the plants you're going to get, you name it. 888-808-8637, is the Super Talk call line, and you always call the tune there, 601-879-4395. The C Spire text line is open to you, and I look forward to always the communications that come to me there. If you are in the seeding business and you're interested in getting going for the early spring garden, now's the time. Start seeding your broccoli. This is all indoors, of course. Broccoli and cauliflower, um, both green and red cabbages. And this is a particularly fine time to seed leeks. I know that sounds kind of crazy because, well, not that many people even eat leeks, much less grow them. But they're a wonderful member of the onion family that, for some reason or another, let, don't last as long in the spring as our other onions do. They will actually just give up at, at a point where it gets too hot for them. So if we start really, really early, then we can transplant them next month into a trench because you want them to have a nice deep foot. You want them to have plenty of space for that nice white part of the onion to develop. So that's that's happening right now. Anyone, the other bits and pieces of things that really have to do with seeding Almost all come down to light and temperature. If you have a heating mat underneath your flat of seeds and you have a light over it that's close enough and of long enough duration with a full spectrum, which is very easy to get these days. They make light bulbs that do that. But you you literally can can start anything. And this is the time to do that. Start some spring lettuce, too. You know, you may not want to put it out for a month. That's fine. And yes, I do know people that are sprouting potatoes, but I don't I don't find that necessary. Potatoes planted in February in the South, generally speaking, make potatoes by Mother's Day and that's what we're looking for. So any sooner might not be to your advantage. You Wanna know more about houseplants? Well, I'm the person to give you that information. Coming up January thirtieth and February the sixth, that is Mondays, we're going to do the Lakeland Lunch Bunch. Doesn't that sound like fun? We need t-shirts. Anyway, if y'all come often enough and we are able to do this, we'll make t-shirts. But we're going to talk about plants coming at 1130. By all means, write this address down. Garden Event 22. Okay. Um, and that's just one event. There's actually going to be lots of events. But in the in the term of the email, it's gardenevent22 at gmail.com. I've gotten several people who have already registered for it, and I look forward to having a whole bunch more. We will provide the drinks and the dessert. All you have to do is bring your lunch and come be with us. Or, frankly, if you like dessert for lunch, you can just show up at that point. But we need to know you're coming so we have dessert for you. Okay. Now, a little bit sooner than that on your calendar, if you are a person who grows cut flowers for a living or who wants to or who's really interested in one way or another in supporting the industry in here in Mississippi, particularly, although we do. Slop over to other states, of course. But this particular program is specific for Mississippi. We would love for you to join us with Flower Growers of Mississippi number two, the the number two afterwards, um, which is a Facebook group. Get in touch and come along on the twenty fourth for the next Zoom. It's gonna be fun. It's a a really wonderful opportunity to have have really I, I don't even know how to begin to tell you the the importance of flowers in your life if you don't already know about that. But even if you know, you may not realize that it is one of the things that we can do better here in the state of Mississippi and our, our neighbors than just about anybody anywhere else. So we we'll talk about that, okay? Alright. Meanwhile, let's see what's going on with Trey wishing us good morning. I like that. You're true. It's absolutely true. Um, Trey tells us this morning with a really cute, he knows I love watering can memes. And this one is, you're never too old to play in the dirt. Sunflowers and watering cans, I'm there. (laughs) Good morning, Trey. Nice to hear from you. You can join in as well on the text line, 601-879-4395. Jim's and Laurel up early drinking coffee. What's going on, Jim? Oh, I'm just sitting
3: out here wondering how my garlic and green onions are doing, and I wanted to ask you about uh a. i got a cataga worm tree in my front yard. You have a and, what? And
2: a cataga worm. Okay.
3: And it's got no leaves on it. I'm, i got to trim it. Now's the time to trim it. it
2: if it needs it. Most of the time they don't need much. a lot
3: of big long limbs on it that way up in the air. I need to cut them back.
2: You can um, do that. that.
3: Look, I don't mind going by and plants and planting them in the ground, but I like to start new life. I like to trim them, cut the limbs off. I'm going to see if I can get them to root. And, uh, what do I do to, to
2: do that? Well, so, b- because the tree is dormant, at this point you'll be taking like a two-foot long cutting from the tip and you, cut, you doing the hardwood method. So you'll gather a bunch of them into a bundle, like with a, a band around it of some sort to hold them together, put them into a bucket of damp sand, and basically walk away for a few months and see if you can get them to root that way. Later on in the year, you can root some from the tip cuttings of the branches themselves when they have leaves and are actively growing. But right now, it's a hardwood cutting thing. And why not? I mean, sure. Somebody else will want one, too.
3: Well, I, I, I dug some up, uh, cut some down back in uh, 1964. And we were moving, and I took them to my uncle's house and dug a hole and set them down in there. And then things grew. Old mm-hmm. orders and mm-hmm. things grow!
2: Absolutely. When we get the right spot. Well, here's the thing, when we sometimes it's sometimes it's helpful that the tree doesn't know. Oh <laughs> thank you, Jim. <laughs> no, I'm not here on Sunday. <laughs> but the show is sometimes and I appreciate that very, very much. You know, the thing about hardwood cuttings is that if they don't work, Generally speaking, you have a point during the growing season when you can also try and do some semi-hard wood cuttings, and that's a good thing. But I liked his remark about you just stuck them in the ground and they grew. I do think that occasionally we overthink things, but I also think that sometimes our soil is better in one spot than another for just exactly that. I have always been able to stick figs in the ground next to my fig trees and, and get them to root but I can't do that with everything. It does work with some things, though, and I'm I'm glad of that. Is this uh, J.R. or Junior? Yes, sir. Hey, Lance. That, that's uh, that's J.R. And, and
4: Greenwood, and he had a question about a peach tree that you had talked to him about and some oil.
2: Okay, good. Let's go. Is he here? Hey, yes. J.R., what's up? Well,
5: uh, not much, but I talked to you a couple of weeks ago about my peach tree. hmm that just had a uh, uh, thing like the sap that right. and I may have had a bug problem in it. And uh, you told me to spray it down with some kind of oil. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I, only, the only oil I can find around here is neem oil. Is that the right oil?
2: Well, it's not the one that I'd recommend, but it won't hurt anything. We're trying to, what we're trying because the neem has the, the oil power in terms of suppressing. Whatever microorganisms might be there, yes, it will do that, and it probably it, it has other qualities to it which are really very positive. Certainly wouldn't hurt anything. What I was thinking about was just dormant oil, the, the the horticultural oil or the dormant oil that we use on fruit trees. But if neem's what you got, I'm gonna say use it. I hope this tree can make okay. it. I know this has been a tough year for them anyway, and certainly, in the condition yours is in, this this cold cold weather might not have helped anything. No,
5: it didn't help. All right. Well, I do appreciate it. Thank Th-
2: you. Thank you, sir. Talk to you again soon. You know, that's one of the things we we do try to get things to heal, but sometimes we need to find out what it was and do something else that's going to have a better outcome, we hope, down the way. A couple of questions from the Garden Mama group this week. One um, from a, a fellow named Tim. He's got a rose that's kind of growing up in the kudzu which of course is terrible in terms of a competition and i agree with him it the controlling the kudzu is probably gonna be the hardest part but the 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 rose itself i would rather see you prune that in a few weeks in in mid-february is generally when we do that and if you will wait until then i think you'll have better outcome on the rose itself meanwhile yeah you can clean the kudzu out today if you can stand to be out there you can start pulling it out and, in fact, putting down something to suppress it. I would suggest cardboard and then mulch on top of it just in that area right around the rows. Of course, now beyond that, you may want to use sprays or beyond that, you may want to do the classic cut it down over and over and over and over and over and over until you convince it not to grow there. But up against the rows itself, you do need to suppress it a little bit harder, and I think that cardboard would do that for you. Annette in Greenwood um, is going to get the uh, cross-pollination award. I'll be getting in touch with her. She listens to the program. Good morning. And she also has uh, jumped into the Garden Mama group on Facebook to ask about things. So um, I, the, when the two things get mentioned in the same breath, I, generally speaking, like to respond to that. So, Annette, if you're listening this morning, send me an email, at yahoo.com. Otherwise, I'll be getting in touch with you to get your email so that I can send you a little something or another. Okay? Okay. Um, fun stuff. Let's see what else is going on over here on the text line. Is uh, to prune when to prune roses. Hey, Scott, it, it, February is the best time to do that. And generally speaking, we think of it as President's Day. There's a lot of... I, I really do think that the garden calendar goes with when people have a day off <laughs> sometimes. And so we think about this month, this coming Monday, for example, uh, is, is a holiday, and there will be many, many, many people out there pruning fruit trees because they're off work that day. We associate January with that. I'll be cutting back ornamental grasses um, because it's, a, it's time to do that, too. But it's also true that in February we have President's Day, and that's when people consider pruning roses. And it's important to get almost all of our roses pruned then. If you subscribe to my newsletter, you got a, a an addendum this week of my, my rose primer, which is basically almost everything I know about roses. But it's a good article that I wrote. I don't know, in uh, 2002 or something. Anyway, um, for a, a magazine, and this is the unedited copy, so there are a couple of typos in it. The good news is the list of roses is still real, but the really good news is there are even more good roses to consider. So let me know if you want to know more about that. I have been fascinated by all these... Stories about fish that we have gotten into in the last couple of weeks—it it, they come and go, you know. they will have lots of stories, and then suddenly nothing from the fish world. The um, the discovery of thirty five new fish in the Bolivian National Park started this whole theme. In, indeed, I love. I, I'm still kind of interested in more learning more about the arapaima, who's in, an invasive fish described as a mouth-breathing giant, which I really like. I want to know more. I need the stuffed animal of this one, I think. But at the same time that's going on, um, zebrafish testing has identified that gene that I told you about that is basically BAS1B, and we think, they think, at Queen Mary University in London, they're positing, and they are now showing the proof of it, that that gene is related to the domestication of things. Now... I honestly have to tell you that domesticating zebrafish has never been on my list of things to do, but it is an interesting way to look at all of that and, in fact, figure out how it is. It it goes directly, of course, to how some fish can be encouraged to be in your tank with other fish and not eat them, but it also goes to their behavior in groups. So I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by that, but in the terms of the coral bleaching that we have seen on reefs around the world it is one of the things that changes fish behavior and in fact they have to get they have to get reset in the in that way lancaster university is letting us know that some of the species of reef fish that ordinarily have been there and surviving and thriving are having a bit of a problem actually identifying their competitors, because the bleach coral itself is such a different environment. So you don't know who's going after the food you're going after until they're already there, and you need to look somewhere else because now you're hungry, all right? When I read this the first time, I thought of it as a buffet with two lines, only they start both on the same side of the table. You know? <laughs> so if, Who's going to get to the mashed potatoes? I mean, it's, it's one of those, one of those strange bits and pieces of questions. They're calling it the rules of engagement because it's a particular playing field, but the field changes and the fish have to adapt. They have done 38 species of butterfly fish, and compared them for 3,700 observations before and after bleaching events. My goodness, that's a lot of data. Hey now, lots to talk about today, taking your phone calls and your texts, and let's let's just be green for a while, okay? This is Weekend Gardening.
6: about to fire up some delicious steaks in the backyard and suddenly the wind blows out your propane grill flame. now what first turn off the gas and open up the grill lid check your grill manufacturer's instructions for when it's safe to relight the grill but always leave the gas off and the lid open for at least five minutes before relighting and remember never lean over the grill during lighting or cooking energy for everyone propane visit mspropane.com that's mspropane.com to
1: learn more This is professional ball player and former Mississippi State Bulldog, Jake Mangum. I've been a loyal Farm Bureau customer for years now. Why? It's simple. Because since day one, Farm Bureau has provided me with exceptional customer service and competitive insurance rates. They work hard for my business and they'll work hard for yours. If you aren't already on the team, it's time to join Farm Bureau. Visit favrates.com for great rates on home and auto insurance or find a local agent at msfbins.com. Farm Bureau Insurance. Go with the home team.
6: Hey guys, it's football season again, and the College Corner is back to get you geared up for game day. We have significantly increased our inventory so there's even more to choose from. Still waiting in lines and fighting the big crowds in Starkville and Oxford? Come by and our staff will have you in and out and on your way. Want to score a touchdown at your next tailgate or homegate party? Then look for us online at collegecornerstore.com or come see us at our Ridgeland store and in Flowood. The
7: College Corner, where it's our job to make your Saturdays great.
6: 601-345-8090. That's
8: 601-345-8090. Or online at BaronistreePros.com. That's BaronistreePros bridge builders
7: starting off the new year right is so easy thanks to kohl's my friend and i shopped there and with the extra 15 percent off we got tech gear activewear for under 23 bucks plus we each found a neutral bullet blender for less than 90 dollars and we saved 50 percent off champion sweats on sale and clearance bonus you can save more with a kohl's card more savings at kohl's means more ways to hit those goals Select styles, 15% offerings, January 16th. Champion sale and clearance offers January 22nd. Coupons do not apply. See store or for details.
0: Attention! Per the current government mandate, U.S.-based insurers are now required to cover at-home COVID testing kits with no out-of-pocket fees to you. If you have a current insurance plan, you are eligible to receive up to eight COVID-19 tests shipped to you each month absolutely free, as long as the government mandate is in effect. Just visit testkitforfree.com to register now from the comfort of your own home. That's testkitforfree.com to receive your tests shipped to you at no cost. Go to testkitforfree.com today. Paid for by t Health.
6: Pinnacle Pinnacle Motors. Quality vehicles, affordable prices, and now Ed Sheds. 8x12 utilities to 16x40 cabins and garages available. Set to be wired, painted, and finished out if need be. Setup and delivery is free and financing is available. Your new go-to for Ed Sheds is Pinnacle Motors. Off Highway 471, the corner of Baker Lane and Vine Street in Brandon. Online at PinnacleMotorsLLC.com. That's PinnacleMotorsLLC.com. Your next garage, utility building, or cabin is at Pinnacle Motors. We'll see you soon.
2: ( lenght) For all you wordlers out there, I wordled in three one day this week. (coughs) It wasn't today. (laughs) Today was a wordle in five. Ah, yes, indeed. Krista is on the text line and wants to know about her gardenias. After the last really cold spell, they look dead with a capital D. That's her. she says that okay they're now over 12 years old, well established. Do I have anything to fear? Well, here's the thing we don't know yet. I do think that there will be shrubs and trees that we will lose. We'll probably even lose some perennials, but the perennials just kind of burn their tops off and, and unless it unless something was already going to keep them from coming back up they're probably going to come back up in most cases. But in, when it comes to something like a gardenia, what I'm looking at, for example, my gardenia's been in its place for maybe eight years, and it is half brown. For me, that is really the worst, because you go out and you, you look at it, and you look at it again thinking, well, what's it gonna do now? And they don't, the leaves don't drop off, and they don't, they're don't they not sprouting yet, so there's not much we can do about it. Yes, you can do the thumbnail test, but because the situation is so dicey right now, I don't advise going by that either. Because you don't, the, the chances are real good that the gardenias are going to put on new leaves, or in my case, they're going to put on new leaves as they push off the ones that are half dead. I, this is what I'm hoping, of course, and then. There'll be a naked part at the top of the stem that I'll have to go back and prune off. So what I'm looking for is the beginnings of regrowth before I take any steps at all. And indeed there's gonna be some things that are just not going to be able to start up again. So I don't have a good answer for it um, in, in this case, Krista, but I can tell you what to do, and that is keep an eye on it and don't don't be too quick to start pruning. If there I don't even know what the algorithm would be but if you went through every garden writer across the southeast this last two weeks, you would hear, don't prune yet, probably from everybody. You know, there are now these programs where the AI will take basic information and write something that essentially sounds like you wrote it. And by the way, there, there are teachers hiring people to make sure that you don't do that. So don't do that if you're supposed to write a paper. Trust me, you just don't do that. But any, it doesn't help you anyway. The point is, you, even if you manage to fool somebody, you've only fooled yourself because you didn't learn the material. So anyway, what's the point of paying for education if you're not going to do something? You know, you're not going to go do it. So, any rate, all of these things are dicey. All of these things are to be looked at for a while and then considered. All right, now I saved the bad news for last because y'all know about how much I enjoy um, stories about rodents. <clears throat> Mickey Mouse notwithstanding, m- my squirrels are not my friends. They live on my property. They believe that they pay the taxes. They don't. Okay? They actually think that, that it's theirs. But there's one thing to have what the, what are called tree rats. That's another name for squirrels out in the trees but when they get in my attic or when their friends the actual rats and mice get in my attic it's a whole nother world all right think about that reef think about that coral reef that has already gone through changing temperatures maybe bleaching the difference in the fish that inhabit it well guess what Lancaster University is also letting us know that yes You've heard about the rats that jumped off the sinking ships and sometimes just ran off the da- down the, the, the plank into the tropical island where the ship had been anchored. Yes, we understand that there are rats and mice, particularly rats, that are able to survive very happily in the tropics. They have, you know, their own little governments and they, <laughs> they do their thing. Here's the problem. They've transformed reef-fish behavior because they're there fishing. Yep, that's right. Publishing in Nature, Ecology, and Evolution, they compared five islands that have no invasive rats in them and five that do. These are incredibly remote parts of an archipelago in the Indian, o- Indian Ocean. These may have come, the, the rats may have begun arriving as late as early, rather, as the 1700s, and that's how long they've managed to keep their generations going, okay? But they have changed damselfish behavior because they alter the nutrient cycle. Seabirds go out into the open ocean to feed and then come back and nest on the islands. Then the seabirds, of course, do what they do. They leave leave their nutrients behind, so to speak, and that in turn washes into the ocean. That in turn feeds the coral reef system. Well... Unfortunately, the rodents don't fit into that scenario because they eat eggs and they disrupt nests and they don't allow for the, the population of birds to do what they're supposed to do to help the coral reef be a better place for the damselfish. Does this make any sense at all? Of course it does. It's the chain of life. Okay. I didn't used to have a reference for it but now everybody has seen lion king and we understand that there's the circle of life is something that is not a joke it's the real thing and in this particular case good grief the damselfish aggressively defend their their patches when the seabird population is intact in other words when the rats are not there but after that they're just basically hunting like anybody else they can't they don't know where their food's going to be because it's not consistent and it doesn't come back around anymore they actually need to have much larger territories and the 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 turf there so to speak algal turf around those islands is less nutrient rich because the seabirds are not there because the rats ate their eggs. Good grief! Now, I'm not going to solve that problem, but it it is something that we need to be aware of. They have been there for many, many, many moons, and unfortunately, we're just now measuring some of those effects. I I have often thought about the if you could talk to the squirrels in my backyard, and I really don't want to have conversations with them other than to tell them to leave my tomatoes alone, um, I, I, if I could talk to them, they'd probably have traveled farther than I have in this world because they're able to go anywhere, and um, that, that causes them to disrupt other populations. I don't know what all they've disrupted. I know that I have a whole lot of things growing in my yard that I wish I didn't that are clearly the province of, of those characters. One of the things that's looking pretty good after all of this, oh, my goodness. My camellias are a mixed bag. The buds are frozen. They're gone. Fell off already. But I've got one that has some half brown leaves. I've got another that is completely still green. And I have another one that I'm not sure is going to make it at all. Um, if, If you have camellias, if you have Sasanquas, this is going to be a very, very important year to watch for the crawlers. And by that, of course, I mean the little hatchlings th- from the scale insects. The scale insects are unaffected by this weather. If you're, you're, Your plants may not be in great shape, but the scale insects are fine. And when they do reproduce at some point in the wintertime, the little crawlers come out from them and go all over the plant and then poke their noses in and start feeding again. So then you have a bigger scale problem each year if you don't deal with it. In this particular year, I look for the scale insects to produce many, many, many crawlers like everything else. They're a little bit in shock. And because there's going to be fewer healthy leaves for the crawlers to poke into, I also think that will cause there to be more of them so that they have they, they can start. They they will compete with each other. But I think you're going to end up with a bigger scale problem if you had one. So that's another place. If you find that you have scale on here, I don't want you to go prune the camellia, but I will tell you to spray it with horticulture oil spray, especially if you have had a scale problem before or. If you go out and see or think you see a little tiny green thing crawling around on the leaf that's about the size of a comma, you know, <laughs> little bitty things, then that's the point to start to spray, particularly to to contact kill them. But you can also spray to suppress some of their hatching by spraying the scales themselves. Real important. There's uh, One of the questions is always with, with camellias is, How many can I grow? What, you know, how big do they get? And this and that. There's camellia. They're not quite as wide ranging as crepe myrtles, but there are camellias and sasanquas of a small stature and some that are intended to get to be as big as your house or as big as the car that we've been talking about here. The sasanquas that um, I was so tickled to see because it was, it rivaled the one in my neighborhood. Wonderful plants and I trust they're going to be able to make their way back to us. Another thing you might want to start right now in uh, indoors, if you're able to get them, are some of the root crops that you'll be planting later. The, the horseradish, the asparagus, those kinds of things really do have a long period of time that they need to be growing. And if you've got, if you have them started and then you're going out in March to plant them or even a little sooner if the weather complies, you'll be glad that you got a start on their growth. We don't grow a lot of real good horseradish in the deep south, but we grow a little bit. We don't grow a whole lot of great turmeric, but we grow a little bit. And it, so the ginger as well, you know, we, we we grow a whole lot of butterfly ginger, which is actually hadicium. It's not ginger ginger. But um, we, we grow some edible ginger, so why not? But get them started, then they'll be in nice, good shape when you get back. I'll be starting the candelabra tree seeds next month, um, early February, because I want them to be ready for transplant by late March, early April, when the soil has begun to warm up. But something else you can start right now to plant next month, nasturtiums, sweet green peas, if you, if you have a space where you can let them get a little taller than two inches, otherwise you want to wait a few weeks to plant the peas. But just like you can start corn in a peat cup and then you're transplanting that whole thing out, it's already sprouted and it's three or four inches tall, you can do that same thing with sweet peas. And that can actually sometimes be a great benefit because it not only gets you going sooner, but it also gets them out of the garden before things heat up tremendously at the end of spring. I will be pruning back the somewhat errant ornamental grasses. (laughs) This is so crazy. One's still got flowers on it. The other one looks like it's completely dead. I don't know. This has just been such wild weather. But we shall see. When I cut down into the one that is completely browned out, which I will do first, I'll be able to tell. And frankly, if it's gone, it's gone. i got plenty of it, plenty of that particular plant. Um, But if you have concerns about how to do this, let me encourage you to use a head shear, like the kind that that makes an X, you know, double-handed head shear, because it's going to give you an opportunity to turn it and cut cut off the grass and then turn it upside down and shape it into a nice sort of mushroom or hassock shaped mound there in the garden that's the best way to do that don't let it don't let it be too if you're if you're pruning and the whole thing's brown get pretty close to ground level but if you notice that it's already green inside of there be a little bit more careful that's what i'm having to do with the clara curtis taking out a few few stems at a time because they keep greening up at ground level and i I don't want to that's why we don't pull on things that are turned brown because you'll pull the whole plant out you don't need to do that do not need to do that I did not know and and <laughs> people are so funny. Human beings are some of the more interesting creatures, but but I got to say we're not the only interesting ones. This whole business about which creature survives and which one dominates has been brought to my attention over and over again, not just with the f- the fish in the reefs, but also working on the army of insects and other pollinators. We have so much more research about them now than we ever had before. And the very good news is that we're going to have more, there's a lot of studies underway now. But the question really does become what are we going to do? We measure every year and we have less of them. We still, three quarters of everything we eat still needs a pollinator to produce, okay, produce a seed. And in that case, sometimes to produce anyway, but it remains unclear whether they're going to be able to keep doing their work with all of the various threats that we have put upon them and the ones that, frankly, the insect community has put upon itself. They can, in many cases, fly or move to another place to eat and and live, but they don't always. So some of these things are, we're both working on historical data sets that tell you what they were doing, present data sets that tell you what they are doing, and then trying to project into the future. What it comes down to is that if there are fewer moths in a pollinating system, there's more flies. Now, that's good news because it means that somebody's picking up the slack. But I think it also tells us that if we are interested in the moth population, we better get it together we better start worrying a little bit more about them and less about the silly flies. Anyway, 120-year-old data from Finland is telling us a great deal about pollination. who to thunk? Well, the folks in Finland, obviously, and some of us, because it's interesting. I'm going to talk about your brain, going to talk about your gut, going to talk about your garden. Stick around.
9: Please never use gas appliances for purposes which they are not intended. A gas oven should never be used for heating purposes and never store flammable materials inside propane cylinders. The Mississippi Propane Gas Association takes pride in protecting your home or business. We ensure that our products are delivered in compliance with the highest industry safety standards. Plus, we offer free gas checks for our customers.
7: Energy for everyone.
0: Propane. Visit MSPropane.com.
9: I'll second guest dinners with friends because they can be interrupted by diarrhea, gas, bloating, stomach pain, or oily stools. It turns out I have EPI, or exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, which means I'm missing the enzymes needed to digest food. My doctor prescribed Creon, pancrelipase, an oral prescription medication that replaces pancreatic digestive enzymes. Creon treats EPI due to cystic fibrosis, chronic pancreatitis, pancreatectomy, or other conditions.
7: Creon may increase your chance of fibrosing colonopathy, a rare bowel disorder. Tell your doctor if you have a history of intestinal blockage or scarring or thickening
5: Visit truck.com for a free, no-obligation estimate. I can
8: see clearly now the rain is gone. I can see all obstacles in my way. Gone are the dark clouds that had me black.
5: It's gonna be the bright.
2: Ah, yes, indeed, it is for a few days, (laughs) and then it'll rain again. (sighs) Okay, too much information. Um, My daughter is in town, and she knows because she grew up with me going to radio on Saturday morning that that's always the coldest morning of the week, because that's when I have to get up and go to radio, when I get to go up to radio. Well... She said, why did I come now? I don't know. What. She, she lives farther south. Why? Well, what am I doing? These are the two coldest nights. Well, they're not actually the two coldest nights. I said, you could have come last month. It would have been worse, but only for a couple of nights. <laughs> so I think that we have a lot of that. The good news is the sun is shining today, and it's going to be absolutely beautiful. <laughs> so, <laughs> we'll stick with that for the moment. University of Tokyo wants you to know... <laughs> I don't know. I, should, I the, There's a reason I could not have been a headline writer. I could never have written this. Spontaneous baby movements have purpose. Really? Who did you ask? How do you know they're spontaneous? I, you know, that's that implies we have some control over babies. Have you not had a baby? Come on now. any rate. This is uh, developing their sensomotor system, of course, sensoriomotor systems. And the new research tells you that they, they've, what they basically did was to put cameras on groups of newborns to see what they did. And in fact, they combined that with a musculoskeletal computer model to enable the researchers to figure out how the muscles were communicating and what sensations the babies were working with in their developmental phase. This, of course, and I make it a joke, but it's not a joke. The more that we understand about developmental milestones and the more that we understand about the way that things proceed, the better we can intervene if they are not going in the way that we appreciate would give the child the best outcome. And that's really the whole point of these kinds of studies. I appreciate so very much parents that will allow their kids to be photographed and and looked at in this way because it makes a lot of sense. It contributes to our data and gives us more understanding how the motor system develops. And in fact, because we are doing this at such an early age, it will help with some of the diagnosis, I believe, of developmental delays at an earlier point, which we've always understood, well, I shouldn't say always, we've understood for about the last 50 years that the earlier the interventions can be made, the more likely the child is to have a good outcome. So that's kind of exciting. Um they they they, they used to measure They used to measure stuff, you know, how far did the baby move their arm or their leg or whatever they were doing to, to try and understand this kind of this part of development. But by actually just looking at them in a broader sense without trying to measure that particular muscle movement, rather just by looking at where the arm goes and how it moves and how often and that sort of thing. We're learning a lot more about the sensory motor system. I like that. I think that's important. In fact, I know it's important. I'm just glad they're able to start measuring it some. Uh, In my seed notes for you about what to seed now, I left out perennials. If you're planning to grow, you want to get them into the ground, say, in March, you're going to grow any number of things, coneflowers and rudbeckias, just most of the flocks and most of the things that, that you want to grow that you might decide to grow from seed, in part because, frankly, you probably have seed that you collected last year, but even if you don't, The varieties are so strong and so new and such brilliant things to have from seed that you may as well try something you haven't grown before if and you don't particularly collect seed from the old one. Now, why do we do this now? Because we want them to be a little bit older and a little bit bigger. And in fact, I will tell you that in seeding perennials, I prefer not to seed them in individual cells. You can do that. But if you, for example, you don't have a lot of room, but you've got a tray that's six inches square, you can put your starting soil in there, seed starting soil in there, and plant your seeds and then do what's called pricking and spotting. When they come up and get two sets of leaves on them, you lift them out and put them into a cell or into a peat pot or into a small container to grow on, because we want these plants to be slightly larger and better developed than, say, a nasturtium seedling or a corn seedling. Those things are going to have a big old root right there in the peat cup. Put them out there as soon as they're an inch or two, a couple inches tall. But in the case of perennials, we want them to have a chance to develop more roots and, frankly, more of their crown at the center before we ask them to go out into the garden someplace. I think that's very important to remember. Um, Oh, and also, I don't know about y'all, But I looked out the other day and realized that the flat of completely dormant, I thought, I thought, rhizomes for irises are now sprouting. I don't know why. I don't know if the cold weather scared them. I don't even think I knew they were still there. But. All the daffodils are coming up, and now the irises are coming up, but they're coming up in a flat with no soil in it. So I've got to, I have to do something. <laughs> that, that little bed in the front garden now is looking too small. I've got all these things to put in it. Don't think that all of the stackus is, is going to make it, though. Uh, it looks as if it may have just stayed too wet for too many days. And I'll, I'll, I'll get a plant or two, but it's not going to be the nice stand that I was hoping for. 888 I give you that phone number because we will be here for another hour this morning and I would just love to talk to you here on Weekend Gardening. The C Spire text line is always open six zero one eight seven nine four three nine five. When 4395 um, When you measure stuff, this is a bit of a tease um, for the next hour actually because I do want to talk more about it. When we measure things, Sometimes, like with the, the infants, we're trying to measure what that muscle did, where it went, how far it moved, and those kind of specific things. And other times we're looking at it from a broader perspective. When we talk about adult movement disorders, and by that I mean how, you know, some people as they, as they mature will develop a, a list to one side that doesn't have anything to do with a formerly broken ankle or anything. There's just a pitch problem. And in fact, we're we we know more about that now than we used to, but we know about it because of some interesting research done out in the real world instead of in the theoretical. So we'll get to that. I'm also fascinated by some the the number of bits and pieces of information that we have continuing on this robot thing, and I don't know. I I, I guess if I had ever been going to blog, I would have named it. That's not true. I did blog for a while. I shouldn't say that. If I was going to blog today, I would probably just say gardening takes guts and start telling all these stories (laughs) about the robots delivering the drugs to your gut and the way that your gut responds to positive events in horticultural therapy and all of these other just amazing numbers of studies that we have. It's been wonderful to watch all of this develop. And quite frankly, I I think it's important. I think it is going to change the way people live in the coming years simply because there's much, much more that we can do to embrace the way that we live and also make it work a little bit better a lot of things there in that work that they've been doing I want to bring to you. My wish list really this week is um, still hoping for a lot of things to, frankly, not be as frozen as they still look. And I've got to make a decision. If, 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 if my roses are dead, do I replant or or do I go with something else? So, I just make the deck bigger and put some more containers out there? I don't know. But we can talk about that and this. We can say good morning to the Campbells and let you know that this is Van Morrison.
8: Drop it, smack dab in the middle of the deep blue sea
10: because See that sweet ass to Yes, you
6: Having any electrical problems? LaValley Electrical Services. We install new switches, breakers, relays, and Kohler generators. LaValle Electrical Services. We handle new lighting fixtures, ceiling fans, electrical outlets, and LED lights. LaValle Le Electrical Services. 601-228-9969. 601-228-9969. That's 601-228-9969. Or online at LaVallyservices.com.
3: That's LaValyservices.com.
0: Your home for Ole Miss Sports, WFMN, Flora Jackson, Super Talk, Mississippi. Powered by your tree professionals at Baroni's Tree Pros, 601 345 8090.
7: It's Alyssa Arbuckle, and you're listening to Super Talk, Mississippi News. Lawmakers debated a proposal Wednesday that would allow recall elections for municipal officials in Mississippi. State law currently allows recall elections for county officials, but not city officials. Senator Jeremy England told us this week he's working on his own recall bill.
10: If you have 35 percent of the people that voted in the last election want to come together and say, look, this this guy, you know, we put him in there and, and our, this man or woman, they're, they're completely they've, they've lost our trust. They're they're running the city or the state into the ground and we need to we need to yeah. get them out of there.
7: There's some who believe legislators are bringing this to the forefront because of current leadership in Jackson.
10: Moss Point, a little of Pascagoula, Ocean Springs, and Gochain. and I've met with those leaders the last couple of days, and we, we're very fortunate to have great mayors and great elected officials down there. But talking with my colleagues in the legislature, there are other other places where they've had somebody that's been elected, and they get there, and either they they just turn out to be a completely immoral or, or person that just doesn't care, and, and they need some help with that.
9: Are you looking for a contractor for your new home or remodel? Go licensed.
10: Debate over whether or not Mississippi should expand postpartum coverage for women on Medicaid from 60 days to a year has already begun. Democratic State Senator David Blunt says extending coverage does not equate to an expansion of Medicaid.
1: It doesn't expand eligibility. It's the same people. But right now, uh, a mother who has just given birth loses health care coverage if she's on Medicaid. And right now, she loses coverage after two months after giving birth. Uh, we believe that should be extended to one year. The governor could do that today if he wanted to, but since he hasn't the legislature needs to act.
10: Republican Representative Stacy Wilkes has a different take.
7: There's only a very small percentage of women who are really left out when you look at all the different programs and all the different ways that are um, that are not being helped. And so I think there's um, other ways to get women, the few women that are um, left out of the, the um, help zone, um, to get them help without expanded Medicaid.
12: From Sports Mississippi, I'm Dixon Williams. Basketball action today finds the Ole Miss Rebels at home against the Georgia Bulldogs. 12 noon is a tip-off there at the Pavilion. 11.30 airtime this morning on the Ole Miss Basketball Network. Mississippi State is on the road the Plains of Auburn taking on the number 21-ranked Auburn Tigers. 7.30 is a tip-off there. 7 o'clock is the airtime on the MSU Basketball Network tonight. Other games in the SEC, Kentucky. Takes on number five Tennessee at Knoxville. Number fifteen Arkansas is at Vanderbilt. Number twenty Missouri is at Florida. LSU is at Tuscaloosa to take on number four Alabama. And Texas A&M is at South Carolina to take on the Gamecocks there. And the Southern Miss Golden Eagles are on the road there at Arkansas State this afternoon. Two o'clock tip-off there. I'm Nixon Williams. This is SuperTalk Sports, Mississippi.
1: This is professional ball player and former Mississippi State Bulldog, Jake Mangum. Hitting a single is great, but you know what's better? Doubles, triples, and home runs. Getting more for less always feels great, which is why I tell everyone to take advantage of Farm Bureau's home and auto insurance bundle. If you aren't already on the team, it's time to join Farm Bureau. Visit favrates.com for great rates on home and auto insurance, or find a local agent at msfbins.com. Farm Bureau Insurance, go with the home team, the NFL
12: playoffs will get underway this weekend. It's NFL wildcard weekend. It gets underway today. The Seattle Seahawks are at San Francisco to play the 49ers. That's a 3:30 kick there. And then the Chargers are at Jacksonville taking on the Jaguars tonight at 7-15. Then Sunday, the Miami Dolphins are at Buffalo to play the Bills. That's a 12-noon kickoff there. The Giants are at Minnesota to play the Vikings. That's a 3:30 kickoff. Sunday afternoon. And then Sunday night, the Baltimore Ravens take on Cincinnati at Cincinnati. And that's a seven fifteen kickoff there. Then on Monday to round out and finish off the NFL Wildcard Weekend, the Dallas Cowboys are at Tampa Bay to play the Buccaneers. It's a seven fifteen kickoff Monday night to finish off NFL Wildcard Weekend. I'm Dixon Williams, this is Super Talk, Sports, Mississippi.
0: of everything green Nellie Neal Garden Mamas on the radio now to answer your questions and call you
2: Hello baby, hello, hello, hello Welcome into Weekend Gardening Thank you so much for being here I know you got choices. I'm glad you made this one. Welcome in. What's on your mind today? You trying to grow something? You trying not to grow something? Well, this is the place. Triple eight eight zero eight eight six three seven. That is the Super Talk call line. And the C Spire text line is six zero one eight seven nine four three nine five. I am happy to let you know that if you are anywhere near um, the 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 Mississippi Gulf Coast Daylily Society they're holding their meeting today at the Van Cleve Library. They'll be socializing at one o'clock, and the program will be at one thirty. Now th- this is this is very cool um, indeed. The Hattiesburg area is also meeting one thirty and two today. Okay, now Mr. Carpenter, the speaker, who's a hybridizer from Texas, is really good. So if you've not, if you if you always thought, well, I want to see what those daylily people are all about, this is your opportunity, as well as to not only just meet some people, but to learn a whole bunch about this particular great plant. Love, love, love them. And indeed, I can tell you that my daylilies don't look as dead as some of the other things. (laughs) So (laughs) I believe that they'll be, I believe they'll come back for me. Also on the calendar coming up on um, January twenty fourth is the Flower Growers of Mississippi training. I'm happy to tell you that we'll be talking that day about um, 10 o'clock in the morning, Tulip Tuesday, talking about what to plant, when to plant it, how the cut flower industry can change your life and the way it is changing Mississippi. We do, in fact, have, um, well, we just, it's a smart, smart thing to understand that even as far back as 2009, we knew that. Cut flowers are the highest profit crop in America. Mm -hmm. That's right. Per square foot, more money. So think about it. Only 25% of the flowers that we sell in this country are grown in this country. We can grow 80% of the flowers that florists use, that people use, that we use in the state of Mississippi. So come on and join us. Now you got a note coming in from Gary. What now? He's going to be in Hattiesburg. Yes,
4: he'll be in Hattiesburg. Mister Carpenter will on uh, tomorrow, and he'll be, uh, you know, in, in.
2: I see. I that I didn't catch that. And that was my note. fault. I'm sorry. It, the one, the meeting in Van Cleve is today, and the meeting in Hattiesburg is tomorrow. I was kind of wondering how they were going to get that guy from one place to the other, but I never doubt these folks. They are all superheroes, so. If they said they were going to put me in the same place an hour apart, they would get me there. So that's good. Today is Van Cleve for the Gulf Coast Daylily Society, and then tomorrow will be the Hattiesburg meeting. Fun, nice people. All right, now, back to one more note, and I'll quit doing the dates. I hope you've written all these down. You better have. What do you really know about those houseplants that live in your house? Are they trying to take over? Are they trying to breed insects? Or are they just trying to be gorgeous and clean the air? Well, probably a little bit of all of that. We will be talking about them, um, me and the amazing Becky Potts, on January 30th and February 6th. Those are both Mondays, 1130. We want you to come and join us. Bring your lunch. We'll provide drinks and dessert. You need to RSVP. Gotta RSVP to everything, y'all. Come on. Miss Manners says send your information about this to Garden Event 22 at @gmail.com and that and tell me which date you can come cuz. It's free but I need to know you're there. All right? All right. Donna and Hernando has been on the text line. Pictures of her dogwoods that we still haven't managed to get to bloom, but she says that um, she sees berries on them and I, I don't I, if if there's berries they had to have bloomed even if it was only for a moment. That's all I can tell you. Botanically speaking, they can't make a berry without having had a flower. Now, the flower may not have had any petals on it. It may have gotten all knocked off or something, but there was a flower there at some point, if this is a seed pot. I would suggest that at this point, I break one of these things open and look and see if it's a seed inside. And if that's the case, then you'll know that, that at least that part worked. But I still can't tell you whether or not they're going to be joyful and beautiful again, because they, they're they very frozen. And I'm hopeful that we will see, as I was talking about with my lagustrums, that they'll they'll push out some new leaves, or they'll push off the ones that are half-grown on the gardenia and put out some new leaves. But we just have to wait and see. Um, It's possible this is something else, but I want you to open it up and see if there's any seeds inside. Out by the Ross Barnett Reservoir, Helen's got an amaryllis that has finished flowering. What to do then? I cut the flower stem off because I'm not interested in making seeds. I want there to be more leaves to transplant into the garden. So all I'm going to do is take the flower stem off. If you like the way it looks or if you want to make make some seeds, leave it on. It's okay, but it's just not what I'm going to (laughs) do. I'm I'm not going to grow amaryllis from seed. Uh, what kind of plant is this? That's really pretty. It's a dracaena. Probably, it might be Janet or Nikki, but I have to look to, to tell you the truth. But it is a Dracena. D-R-A-C-E-A-N-A, if you want to look it up. That's not the scientific way of spelling it. The botanical name has another E in there, but the way you look it up to find out growing information or the actual name of it or other plants related to it, because this one's obviously doing beautifully, you need to have some more. <laughs> so, Cenas I have a couple of things on my mind this week that are frankly just I I don't even I, I don't know how how's my mind going to hold these things in it. That's a good question. The the institute at MIT Picower Institute at MIT has uh, put forth a really interesting description of how our memory works. Hold how we hold information in our mind. Okay. And you know we understand that it goes into short-term memory for a moment and then into long-term memory eventually which is why you can't necessarily remember where you put your coat because you hung it in the wrong closet or dropped it in the back seat of the car but you can remember your teacher's name from the 4th grade <laughs> okay i mean these these are not things that happen to me of course <laughs> but they do happen to all of us in their case the MIT story today I really appreciate this by the time you read the Wi-Fi password on the cafe's menu board and the time you get back to your laptop to enter it you have to hold it in mind when we say hold that thought that's exactly what we're talking about we're talking about hold that thought now how does that work because that's not long term and that's not short term it's just a, a holding thought so what they've been working on in fact, memory studies have been trying to figure this out forever. But MIT neuroscientists say, well, this is what we think. This is what we've shown. This is what we see. And this is what we want to under- you to understand. This, there's a, a possibility. There's an opportunity for your brain cells to work in their synapses. Now, you know, but, but the 10-year-old sitting next to you may or may not know that the synapse is the space between your brain cells where all the electricity happens, where all of the thought is transferred, where all of the business goes on. That's where all the work happens, okay? Both of the models, of course, whether it's maintaining by neurons or where that are always there, they're kind of just idling, waiting for you to drop in some more memory, or whether they're specifically related to the thought that you've just had or to the fact that you have just learned. Two different points of view about that. But it actually... Tells us that without the short-term synaptic plasticity, there's that word again. Your brain has to be plastic. We have really only begun to understand the way this process works, and I think it's real interesting that they have done this. Um, they did early work on it about several years ago, but it didn't really jive with what's going on in nature. It didn't. It, it was a nice again. It's a nice theoretical notion. And it worked out in the lab, but it didn't work out so well in in person, in the real place. You need to have the mechanisms to give the freedom to the brain to be as flexible as it can be. For example, walking across the cafe, noting that the sky is blue and that the guy at the corner has on a green tie, and still getting back to your seat and seeing that in your head you still are holding on to the password for the laptop, okay? Okay you understand that memory is a funny thing and the more that we can study it the more opportunities we have to perhaps affect it to perhaps both bring back memories that we thought were lost or to keep them from going away in the first place i like it short term synaptic plasticity that means you're holding that thought you're holding that you're holding a thought you got it in between your synapses it's right there And if you snap your fingers, you can get it to go back into your mouth and come out and be what you were trying to remember. I like that. Now, that is not necessarily the only bit of information that goes today towards storing memory and towards the real-world laboratory versus the laboratory laboratory. I think this is so interesting. If you've ever known anybody that actually had vertical perception problems, um, you may see them, it may be somebody who's always had them, and as a result they wear a helmet, for example, because they're likely to fall. They don't have pitch. They don't have stability. It may be somebody who gets that way, gets gets that particular condition as a result of some other health problem. But body pitch and the way that we translate body motion are really really important obviously in order it, we, we, we walk upright and one thing that distinguishes us from virtually the other mammals is our ability virtually all of them is our ability to to be upright okay so an international team of scientists from of the odd trio Japan Canada and Germany are working on this by testing it in the real world the environment for example in this particular case where your body would be forward and moves at the, and moving at the same time you're pitching forward but you're moving at the same time when how would that happen well that would happen when you're trying to go the on the famous peak tram to victoria peak in hong kong this particular from Victoria Harbor and the surrounding islands is just beautiful. People go up there all the time. But what they have understood is that the, the crazy winding switchback kind of journey that that tram takes provides them an opportunity they've never had in the um, in, in the lab to test these things, because this is actually how. Vertical perception gets distorted is by being in a place where it isn't working right. It, it's, it seems that your body's not going in the direction that you need it to go in. So they got um, a, a device built that would help to hold them to indicate their perceived verticality, in other words, what they thought they were doing, and then they investigated what they were actually doing. And in fact, when our vertical perception is distorted by something like a, an almost straight-up ascent, we end up with a, a vision of ourselves that is not actually what's going on. So that's fascinating. I love that they did all of this. Um, they wouldn't have been able to get me to close my eyes. That was the other thing that they got people to do and go up this thing. No. Mm-mm. But, any anyway, rate, it, it, most laboratory systems, um, they're, they're subjective subjective haptic vertical, that is the perceived verticality, that subjective haptic vertical, SHV, is quite frankly very seldom beyond one degree off. But on this tram, and therefore in the circumstances that cause it to be distorted, it had as much as 10 degrees off. So you think you're standing up straight. You're not. How many times has your mother said, stand up straight? Put your shoulders back, oh yeah, by the way, suck in your stomach, <laughs> all of that stuff. There was a reason for that, not just so you would be taller, but there is a reason for that. Let's see. Homer is on the phone. Welcome in. What's on your mind? Hey, how you doing? Howdy? Real well, thank you. What's up? Must be cold where you are. Oh, my goodness, very very much so, yes, sir. How would your greens make it? Were you able to harvest greens Were you able to harvest greens last month?
5: Oh, yes. Uh but this was not this wasn't the best year for greens. I mean, you know, and that's one of the things about raising things is you you always it's you are always working against a bunch of variables, which I like because it it keeps me in reality about life. You never know what's going to happen. So
2: You uh, you have just spoken the truest words of the morning. <laughs> Thank you, Homer.
5: Yeah, I mean it 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 keeps you from when something it keeps you in the middle of the road because you, you understand that things for life that's beyond your control and it it keeps you in humility where well it keeps my humility where it needs to be and it keeps me where I need to be spiritually, uh,
2: you're so right. You are so right. Thank you. Appreciate that. I was
5: calling about what I've noticed is this. Now I got a, I have a pecan archer, and I do have uh, some oak trees. I've noticed that the pecan tree leaves compost a lot faster than like oak leaves, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering. And and that high power shows us. So many different things when we pay attention, or when we get old enough to pay attention, I'll put it like that. Yes, sir. Um, it, it's in the numbers. So that the I was My question is: Do certain leaves off of fruit or nut producing trees compost quicker than? trees that do not produce any type of nut or fruit, because I've noticed the the, the leaves off my pecan tree, they compost in uh, probably like a, a a month or two, but I put oak leaves in a compost bed separate from the pecan, and it takes those a long time to It break sure
2: them. does. It sure does. You're absolutely right in my observations, too. I I love I love 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 to compost pecan leaves cuz they go so fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it makes I'm makes something I can use a whole lot quicker than the oak leaves do. Now, on the I don't know if there's a general rule, but the thinner the leaf, for example, if you were growing apples, those leaves can be a little bit thicker, say for example, than a plum leaf, and the plum leaf is probably going to decompose quicker. But it has to okay. do really with that, more than anything else. If you can hold on, I think it's just the thinness or the thickness of that leaf, but if you want to hang on, please do because we've got to step aside for just a few bits of commercial messages. Thank you, Omer, for that brilliance this morning. Be right back. While
12: we're waiting for the sun
2: a- shine.
1: This is professional ball player and former Mississippi State Bulldog, Jake Mangum. When you got everything on the line, you need a team behind you that's dedicated to getting the job done. That's why I love Farm Bureau. Their great rates are supported by a wonderful customer service team that stands by me through thick and thin. It's time to join Farm Bureau. Visit favrates.com for great rates on home and auto insurance. Or find a local agent at msfbins.com. Farm Bureau Insurance. Go with the home team.
2: In the
7: heart of Mississippi, there's a place built on tradition and memories. Come make yours at the Hideaway at Reads Estate. A nature retreat nestled amongst the pines is the Hideaway. Located near Brookhaven, goes 400 beautiful acres to explore, curated venues, and lodging to host you and your guests. The Hideaway is perfect for corporate events, family gatherings, weddings, and romantic getaways. Book your event with us today at the Hideaway at Reed's
2: You just can't beat guitar. I'm telling you, there's something about me that is inexorably attached to the sound of a guitar. I would be remiss if I did not send light and love to Jeff Beck. Now, for those of you who've never heard of Jeff Beck, if you've ever heard rock and roll music, if you've ever heard heavy metal music, if you've ever leaped off into jazz fusion, you know Jeff Beck because he has been seminal in influencing all of those as well as many, many just tremendous individual people over time. He may go down in most people's books as the only person to ever turn down both going to perform at Woodstock and turning down joining the Rolling Stones. There are people, and I have read this this week, that says, well, those were bad decisions. No, they weren't. No, they weren't. He lived and toured, he was 78, and unfortunately he got sick and died. I hate that. I mean, it's terrible, but but he had his life and it was influential and it was in fact seminal in the rock and roll music business. Now, that being said, so what? Well, if it influences you and, and it makes you feel better about the world, gives you a deeper look at what's around you, allows you for a little while to hold your ears you know, open and, and just listen. I think you'll get some of the benefits, as Homer was talking about, sometimes you just have to get to where you can pay attention to things that you didn't necessarily automatically want to pay attention to, and some of that is the music of our lives. And Jeff Beck had a lot to do with that. I don't think anybody would deny that, that was around at the time. Now, I can't talk to you about bacterial meningitis. I think it's horrible, and, I think, and it, it's what did him in. But he was touring as recently as a month ago, so it, it was unfortunately quick and sad. Okay? Okay. Now, all that being said, so what? It means we got to live every minute. That's what it means. Everybody's lost somebody recently, if not yesterday, then last year, or 10 years ago, doesn't matter. When you think about that person, they are alive to you in a way that is different from when they were walking around in the house with you. But the truth of the matter is, we take all of that information in, and that's what makes us who we are today. If we hadn't experienced what we experienced yesterday, we wouldn't be ourselves today. And frankly, we gardeners are pretty good at that, because... Kind of like Homer said, it's all about perspective. you got to say, well, last year might not have been the greatest for growing this or that. But that tells me that next year may be even better. So I like all of those reasons for doing things. One of the reasons that we do things around here, as I have been informed many times, is because gardening takes guts. You have to be willing to take a little bit of a risk to roll the dice, so to speak, to see whether that thing is going to grow. Otherwise... I don't know what the fascination would be if you didn't give it a try. I just, I just don't know. Now, you may recall ah, that in a rather preachy moment a couple weeks ago, I brought you this story from Columbia University about the connection between our brains and our guts. and has to do with fatty foods and why we crave them and when we crave them and that, that it's really our gut is attached to our brain. Well, guess what? That's right. Indeed, at this particular one, what we understood from this study at the Zuckerman Institute is that glucose activates a specific gut-brain circuit that communicates, in other words, you're, you you do not get the same feeling from not real sugar that you do from this sugar, okay, which is why people, it is said, can drink six or eight diet whatever sodas and never feel like they had any soda and never get any satisfaction out of it because there's no sugar there. What you were actually looking for was a sugar delivery system not a caffeine delivery system and it didn't work. Okay so speaking of sugar delivery systems and your guts we also have information from the Max Planck folks. I love those institutes. They have discovered the simultaneous evolutionary history of gut microbes over hundreds of thousands of years so why are we so much more interested in it now what has changed what is different we're eating a whole lot more sugar in everything processed foods i can i can literally remember a time in my life when i didn't even know where the sugar bowl was okay much less did i put it into any i mean you know it was just it was not a thing now we all we don't necessarily have a sugar bowl but we all have if you read, if you eat anything that's been packaged or processed, there's sugar in it. If you, I mean, we even put sugar in everything. That in turn has taught our guts to react to that because we evolved together. That in turn has given the Cedars Sinai Medical Center folks an opportunity to examine different kinds of bacteria in our guts, and one of them is key to contributing to the development of type 2 diabetes, which we absolutely need to know about, while another one may protect us from that disease. We need to know both those things, because we're eating so much more sugar. I have found it, you've heard me say this before, I found it fascinating that once we realized that high fat was not really good for you, suddenly all of the cooking shows featured bacon and por- and pork rinds and fat and stuff. Um, I, I, I think that's incredible. But we're also seeing, we see that same sort of stuff. The same nations, all of us who are experiencing higher levels of diabetes, also are having min, much more sugar in our foods that we don't know about, that we don't even see, because it's in the processing. So the big question is did the microbiome differences cause the diabetes to happen, or? Did the diabetes change the evolution of the microbiome? Well, that's the next question. But, of course, all of those things are involved. Part of this is why it is so hard to teach yourself to eat differently than you have been eating, because your guts are calling out for whatever they've gotten used to. <laughs> so maybe small individual steps can help us with take the gut microbes on this human evolutionary journey in a more healthy way than we have been doing, because I love when it ends up being the University of Copenhagen to bring us kind of to a, a piece of all of this knowledge. What they're telling us is that there is a portion of the Danish population that has a gut microbe, frankly, that I want, and you probably do too. It extracts more energy from food than do the rest of the microbes in their guts. How cool is that? So you put all these researchers together, and believe me, somebody will. We understand how these things develop. We understand how our cravings come about. It's all tied to the gut, to the brain. And indeed, we understand that the gut reacts after we've changed those desires thus we see the things that sometimes play a part in development of diabetes and sometimes play a part in reducing diabetes likelihood and now we've got that possibility that some guts are better than others at harvesting energy. I like it I, We, we, they're, they're starting with the point of view that says we may now have explained why some people gain weight faster than others um, and, and that's certainly part of this process of harvesting energy versus not harvesting energy. I will tell you that the more active we are the more active that we can be um, the better our guts are going to work in part because we're standing up there's another study that I didn't bring today but I, I saw the headline for it and I'll probably bring it to you next week about how our seated nature it changes a whole lot of things about our guts the two, the two jobs that Lance and I are doing right now used to be done standing up all broadcasting used to be done that way I don't know if I could stand up for 2 hours. I could lean, but I don't I don't know because we haven't taught ourselves to do that in a long time. Meanwhile, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. <laughs> oh, you know, the cobbler's kids have no shoes. The horticulturist's garden always needs string trimming and blowing and mowing. And yes, doctors and their family members are less likely than other people to comply with the guidelines for taking medication. (laughs) Couldn't we have guessed that this was true? But in a survey, several surveys, actually, they, um, and this does come from, you have a little bit more knowledge and sometimes you're dangerous, okay, because you think you know how it's going to work better than the person you have entrusted your care to. That's not a great thing. But, I really particularly liked the headline, the, the title, rather, of the study, publishing in the American Economic Review Insights, because the idea is that we have to learn more about this, so we have to have insights. Quote, a taste of their own medicine, guideline adherence, and access to expertise, unquote. In other words, you may think you know what you're what you're doing here, but you probably don't. Or at least you don't know as much as you think you do. Now, I'll grant you, we all self-diagnose, we all try to figure out what's going on, but I encourage you always to be in close contact with your physician, particularly your primary care physician, so that they, in turn, can know what it is that you're going off and doing. It may help, it may not, but if you are doing something different than what they're telling you to do, they can't really measure your progress. Um, I I have to tell you, there's so many many times in this world where somebody will say, well, I just couldn't take any more of that prescription, and now I'm sick again. Well, you need to link those two things together. (laughs) The garden kind of has that sort of reaction, too, doesn't it? I know what I need to do, but if I don't get out there and do that, I will not have the reaction that I need to have. I won't have the good response that I need to have. And sometimes... Sometimes, quite frankly, that can be a little bit more than you want to deal with at the time. So you just go on and look at look the other direction. Well, we do that sometimes in a new bit of research um, here. Of course, there's there's been a good look at the status of people's plants and everybody around here is trying to figure out how much freeze damage is too much freeze damage. But you have to realize some of it comes down to your microclimate. If your garden is protected on four sides because you, you live in a neighborhood and there's other houses and trees and property and whatnot around you, you're going to have less kinds of damage than you will have if it is otherwise a wide open space. I noticed that there are some forsythias starting to bloom in my neighborhood, but I also noticed that some that were planted out right on the corner by the street look like they're not going to ever make it, but they did have more access, more subject to, rather, I should say, more subject to all of that. Um, Let's see. Who is this? Megan? Welcome in, Megan. Thank you for calling Weekend Gardening. What's on your mind today?
10: Good morning, Gardener. How are you this morning?
2: Very well. Thank you.
10: Good.
2: So here's my question. Do you read Mother Earth magazine? Uh, I have. I have been interviewed by them i've written for them over the years yeah sure
10: well the reason i say that is that i read an article in, in a recent issue and they were talking about how we are you know when we build houses and we put in you know just shrubbery just you know that anyway long story short that we're destroying the food web um yeah. a lot of plants that don't produce anything that feeds bees and birds and that sort of thing. So I'm thinking of, you know, I started looking around my neighborhood and I thought, my goodness, that, you know, that's really true. So I'm thinking about just pulling everything up and replanting it that will, you know, uh, produce flowers or berries or whatever that will. You know, feed nature. Mm-hmm. And I just want to get your thoughts on
2: that. Well, welcome to my world, Megan. <laughs> Thank you. You have given my speech for me today. That's wonderful. Um, I, I'm, I do believe in a, a combination of things. I do believe that there are definitely places where we just need the plants to sort of Stand there and hold their ground. For example, um, sometimes articles that are talking about the better use of property will tell you to take your lawn out. The, I don't agree with that. Not, not to mention the fact that your neighborhood association may not agree with it. But because the lawn is actually a brilliant air cleaner and you want that between you and the street. Okay, it's not going to produce food, but it is going to help keep the air clean around you and obviously help drain off water and all those other things that the lawn does. But we can have a little bit less lawn, and that gives us more opportunity to have flowering and fruiting plants, even out in the very front yard where everybody's going to see them, because they're beautiful at least sometimes of the year, and they're just green the rest of the time. But when we talk about trying to make sure that we're getting what the garden itself needs – From my point of view, the thing that you can do right now, and I mean starting right now and working on your own property with, is making sure that you have something in bloom every week of the year. Might be clover. Might be wildflowers. Might be the weeds in your lawn that you don't mow quite as quickly. You know, you let them go ahead and bloom and then cut them off before their seeds can start. Then you start planting things. But if you'll start with looking at your property and trying to figure out what's in bloom when and filling in those gaps, you will welcome more pollinators. Add fruit plants. You'll be, frankly, adding to your good, your good being as a person. And at the same time, teaching your neighbors a good lesson. So that's, that's horticulture. That's horticulture therapy. That's my world. Stick, on, stick around, please, if you can. I'd love to talk to you some more. Always remember, mama on Air at yahoo.com. We'll be right back.
6: The best made-to-order lunch in Northeast Jackson is at Fourth and Gold Sports Cafe. The wings, the chicken tenders and bites, fried or grilled, and the best specialty pizzas in the metro, call 769-208-8283. That's
9: 769-208-8283. 769-208-8283. With the current market and economic volatility and all the chaos in Washington, if you're feeling anxious about your investments, tune into Super Talk Jackson 97.3 on Sundays from 8.30 to 9.30 a.m. for Element Wealth Radio with Jeremy Nelson. Learn more at myelementwealth.com.
11: Start up the new- unit With money saving cheer during the New Year's celebration sales event at Mazda of Jackson, 2023 is here and it's finally time for you to get that new vehicle you've been waiting for at Mazda of Jackson. We resolve to save you money on our entire selection and to give you the best dealer experience. Period. Right now, get super low 2.9 percent financing for 60 months on new 2023 Mazda CX9s and 3.9 percent financing for 60 months on new 2023 Mazda CX5s. Buy a new Mazda, and Mazda of Jackson will take care of your first year's maintenance at no cost to you. MazdaofJackson.com. Plus. Buy with confidence with a 20-year, 250,000-mile powertrain warranty. Our credit specialists work hard to get you approved. No matter your past credit history, 100% credit approval is our number one goal. And bring us your trade. We'll buy it, even if you don't buy anyone from us. So come save big during the New Year's celebration sales event at Musto of Jackson, where nobody walks away because everybody saves. Our state-of-the-art facility is located at 5397 I-55 Frontage Road North in Jackson. Call 991-2222 today. Mostofjackson.com. With proof, credit on select see for details.
7: That's abcmouse.com slash radio. Sponsored by Age of Learning.
0: And Doug. Hey, listener. Welcome to Lemu's Karaoke Lounge, where Liberty Mutual customizes your car insurance so you only pay for what you need. And the music never stops. Hit it.
9: There's an emu with a full-time job. His partner's Doug, but Lemu's the heartthrob. Grubs and worms, that's what Limu eats. Gotta fuel up to save you money and hit the streets.
10: Only pay for what you
0: need at LibertyMutual.com. Liberty, 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 Liberty.
6: Having any electrical problems? LaValley Electrical Services. We install new switches, breakers, relays, and Kohler generators. LaValley Electrical Services. We handle new lighting fixtures, ceiling fans, electrical outlets, and LED lights. LaValley Electrical Services. 601-228-9969. 601-228-9969. That's 601-228-9969. Or online at lavallieservices.com. That's lavallieservices.com.
2: I don't know it's funny some they do some they don't anyway here around here is sir pete townsend thank you very much and yes 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 I, I i'm lucky enough to be one of the people who saw him smash a guitar one time i'm fine with that we can argue but probably not today megan's in the jackson area and she's on the line we're talking about keeping our gardens blooming and attracting pollinators and Tell me what you want to what you want to eat. What do you want to grow? <laughs> <laughs> well, you
10: know, one of my next questions would be do I need a landscape architect to come out, you know, because you've got I have a very small yard. Mm-hmm. I mean, collect, it's like a postage stamp. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I want to use it to, you know, whatever uh, I can to promote the bees because to be honest with you, I, I promise you, when I first moved there about 15 years ago, I, every spring, you know, the bees would show up and just just be crazy for my crape myrtle.
2: Mm-hmm.
10: I don't have bees anymore.
2: Well, and what you're seeing is what a lot of areas are seeing. And yes, we do have to welcome them back in, in as many ways as we can. When it comes to the notion of using a landscape architect, I think that's a really, really good idea for a lot of reasons, and it's a little bit, it's not the entire solution, however, particularly in this regard. If you can talk to the land, talk, talk to the landscape architects that are available to you and tell them what you want to do, they may say, oh, absolutely, I'm with you, let's go. Or they may tell you that what they're trying to do is make sure that your yard looks nice. And that's their, that's the part of their job too, because the last thing they want is for you to come back six months or a year from now and say, "Well, I did this and now this you know and they want it, they want you to come back in six months or a year and say, "This is great you know so talk to that person, interview okay. that person just like you would anybody else to be sure they're going to be able to speak your language. The other thing is to understand that there's a lot of people promoting this same kind of work that you're promoting. And in fact, um, one of the groups that I'm, i familiar with are there. I'm not even going to try to tell you the specific name because there's too many of them, but usually they'll have something like. Pollinators for Mississippi or sustainable gardening in the south or any of those those kinds of social media groups will usually have really, really good information for you. Now all that's kind of grand scale. I now I'm gonna say drive around in your neighborhood and find one that you find a yard that you like that you think is attracting more pollinators than yours and talk to them. Okay? There's a lot of ways to approach okay. adding to your to your landscape. I've I've had um, I, my my vitex tree is covered up in bees, even when nobody else has bees. And people will ask me. People actually stop on the street and say, "Why is that happening?" And my answer is traditionally, because I do keep something else blooming all the time. Uh, there might be a little clover down in the what what we call the hell strip. You know, between the the sidewalk and the street, there might be um, some other little plant that somebody else would consider a weed, something like amsonia or even gosh so mean anything that any of the common lawn weeds i'm going to leave alone long enough for them to bloom i'm not going to let them set seed cuz i don't want my lawn i don't want to lose my lawn i still need that air cleaner but i am going to have that extra little bit of something i also will seed seeds all the time into empty pots around my yard just to see what'll come up and sometimes they do do you
10: want do you want to stay with indigenous plants
2: it's always. not possible to always do that but yes that would be wonderful if I could only do if I could only do native plants and get what I want that'd be great but there it's it's not all natives I like okay. to think of, I like to think of imported plants that b- perform nicely as well behaved <laughs> <laughs> so I, I like well. I like well-behaved plants of any sort. I don't even like native plants that want to take over and grow on my foot, you know. So I need. Right. I have kind of a balance there. I would love for you to communicate with me some more. Please send me an email, Mama on Air at yahoo.com, and I'll send you some more resources. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Good to hear from you today. Appreciate it. Always love people that are getting into our world here. Oh, we got three texts in a row. About sweet olive, oh, are they going to be okay? Well, we just don't know. We, we have got, uh, we've, yes, you know, this is, here's sweet olives, gardenias, azaleas, olive, dropped all their leaves, any special treatment? No. The, the, the special treatment is to control yourself and myself and everybody else's self that has pruners. Don't start pruning. The reason for that is because we are trying very, very hard to let them recover on their own. I have raked up a little bit of the leaves that have fallen off of my sweet olive. There's still a couple of branches that have green leaves attached to them, but they don't look too good. Um, So we just don't know. But we will know in another month. And as as someone else said, uh, by all means, look the other way, Larry, Rhett, y'all, everybody, look the other way for a little while.
4: There's a little bit of mystery involved in this. There's
2: huh? there's a mystery. We have to wait. It has to. We have to wait. We hope it will all be revealed. And I just have to tell you that a dead tree in your yard makes a really good, very organic bottle tree. If it turns out, or if you prefer Mardi Gras bead tree, you know, if if that suits you better. Um, but we're not going to be able to get everything. Yes, you're right. In, indeed, sir, that was, in fact, Booker T. Thank you very much. I can't can't really live without Booker T in my life. Yeah, Red, I understand. I Most of mine came from cuttings, too, so I'm pretty deeply invested as well. This is where we have to just take a little perspective. And the other perspective is if you did it once, you can do it again. Okay? You grew one from a ceiling, you'll be able to do some more. so <laughs> that's what Larry's mama said. <laughs> Hold on. Don't start cutting. You're exactly right. Your mama's is exactly right. There, there are a couple of reasons for that. First of all is it would be useless because we still aren't going to know. But secondly, until they try to push their leaves out, we don't really want to compromise them by cutting off some of their branches because that could in turn make them try to put their leaves out. Then we get February freeze. And the next thing you know, you've damaged the plant twice, or you're having to go back and reprune it again. And who we don't need to do that. We just need to look the other way for the time being. <laughs> we, we complain a lot, I know, about social media. Y'all who follow me, I appreciate you doing that so very much, because I'm always going to try and not follow anybody that, you know, is, isn't as they say, horticulturally above board, so you can, you can follow me and usually run into some of them. But I love this. North Carolina State University is letting us know that the potential for using Twitter and other social medias to track the timing and the location of invasive insects spreading around the globe may be the only way we can do this. Now, they're not saying we're going to see them from satellites, okay? (laughs) That's not how we're going to track these things. But one idea was that if people would report that, then it would get collected up in all the data sets. You wonder what they collect your data for? Well, let's all just hope that it's to figure out invasive insects we understand about one of these the spotted lanternfly that has been in the news so much um but another one the tomato leaf miner good grief it it is it it really is devastating and we're trying hope hoping to keep it from getting into our gardens but some invasive insects have reached their global range but others have not and in, unfortunately both the spotted lanternfly and the tomato leaf miner are both still spreading aggressively. So the more reports that we can get from one place and another to tell us that that's happening, the better we can be prepared to deal with them. Um, Somebody's going to see one sooner than somebody else, I think. Well, as if you didn't need it on a day like today, from the Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory, we now have a new way to refrigerate things. I know, I'll just go home and wait for the weather to change again, because that's what's going to happen. Thank you all very much for your attention today. Please remember, all you ever leave with anybody is an impression. So why not try kindness? That's what I'm going to do today. You do it too. Come back next week for more Weekend Gardening.
9: The Garden Mama is a production of Tell Us Communications.
7: That's abcmouse.com slash radio, sponsored by Age of Learning. Lemo,
0: lemo. And Doug. Hey listener, welcome to Limu's karaoke lounge, where Liberty Mutual customizes your car insurance so you only pay for what you need, and the music never stops. Hit it.
9: There's an emu with a full-time job. His partner's Doug, but Lemu's the heart throb. Grubs and worms, that's what Limu eats. Gotta fuel up to save you money and hit the streets.
0: Only pay for what you need at LibertyMutual.com. Liberty,
3: Liberty, Liberty, Liberty.
0: A Super Talk Mississippi hey, yeah. Media Production.